Well, we're continuing in a series, finishing it up today, called Strengthened by the Seed. And if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is our primary text. Uh, anybody getting anything out of this series? I am. I am. Listen, um, I, uh, if I could today, I want, you to, I, wanna, I want to just reveal my heart uh, to you about what is being said in, in this series in particular. Um, this uh, series came out of a dramatic, powerful, personal encounter I had with the Lord just a couple of weeks ago as we were, uh, and it doesn't happen this way all the time. So I don't want you to think that this is just uh, another sermon series. Uh, this, this one literally came out of the voice of God, whether inside or outside, I don't know. But it was so loud, uh, it woke me up five in the morning, and it, it literally, it was as if, the voice of the Lord was so loud, so many decibels, it shook me awake. And this is what the Lord said, and this is why we've been pursuing this. It's, he said this, it's time to consume the nine seeds. And when he said it, I had no idea what it meant. I had no clue. I just knew it was God and that I needed to go on a journey and figure it out. Well, long story short... It's the very first passage that the Lord gave us as we were entering into the time of the pandemic came from 1 Thessalonians 5. And it turns out that there are nine principles which are basically a checklist, an end time checklist, which, uh, which God gives to us so that we will be strengthened. Now, the, why use the terminology seed? Why use it? Because the word of God is described as a seed. In 1 Peter chapter 1, says it this way, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. You see, the word of God is the eternal seed of God that produces his life in the, in the earth. And so you and I, we need to consume the seed of God's word, of what God is saying to us in this hour, so that we will be strengthened and nourished. Can I get an amen? How many of you know you're nourished by reading God's word? How many of you can tell a difference when you haven't been in God's word? Come on. Oh, oh wait. Oh, praise God. We got some honest people in here. The rest of you who did not raise your hand, you're just like, oh, no, I can't tell them I don't read my Bible as I should. Okay? Right? Uh, listen, I know every person struggles with that. Every person. I have to, I have to make myself. I make my body my slave. And I'm, I'm saying, I'm going to the word. Why? Because this is going to nourish me today. And so uh, I know that, that for you and I, we need to see the word of God as it is. And this word in particular, I, I, I pray the weightiness of what's been said over these last three weeks would genuinely rest on your heart. Because I don't know why the voice of God would wake me up to speak to me this way. Other than I know there, there are great days of shaking coming. I'm certain of it. And if you just think that things are going to get better and better and better and better, um, well, 
You haven't read this book. <laughs> you haven't read the Bible. Uh, however, the body of Christ is going to get stronger and stronger and stronger as we consume what God has for us. Now, I'm not saying that to terrify you. I'm saying that because the Spirit of the Lord is saying, wake up, now's the time. Now's the time. You are going to be nourished by the seeds of the Word of God. This is why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How many of you know in a time of shaking, you need to know what God is saying? Because if you don't know what he is saying right now, listen, there is the broad sweeping word, there is the logos word, the broad sweeping application of the word. Don't steal, don't murder, uh, you know, don't lie. All of those things are absolutely true. But how many of you know sometimes you need a right now word, a rhema word? What is God activating for us to consume right now, which is going to strengthen us for the days ahead? And I'm telling you right now, this word from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the nine seeds are the seeds which we need to take in and consume. And if you haven't heard the other two messages, I employ you, I, 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 I'm begging you, go and listen to those messages. Because I promise you, God is giving them to us to nourish us, to strengthen us for what's coming. And I'm not afraid. I'm full of joy. Why? Because that's one of the seeds. That's one of the seeds. Here's, here's, here's what the nine seeds are. The nine seeds are an end time checklist from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we can look at it together. I want to just, just kind of give you a quick review of the six seeds. We won't go through uh, the six that we covered before this. First was the seed of covering. The seed of covering. This is talking about I need to be connected to a local body. This is coming. This goes verse by verse by verse by verse. This doesn't skip verses. This is like this is the list. After all of this grand theology about end times, all of this talk about, hey, the dead in Christ will rise first, then we which are alive and remain will be caught up in the air to be with the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. All of this very high theology about end times is followed by something very practical. Because how many of you know, you, if, if, if great theology isn't met with practical steps, we don't know what to do. So here, here it is, 1 Thessalonians 4 and most of 5, and then he just gets very practical. Here's the list. Here's what you need to do. And we begin to pray through, we begin to, begin to, to, to pray these things in our daily prayer times, and now uh, God has instructed us to articulate it in a way that every single person begins to say, I, I want to be nourished by these things regularly in this season. Listen, if you don't see already a shaking that is headed toward November, you got your head stuck in the sand. In the sand. You really do. And if you don't think that you're going to need every one of these in some capacity, I, 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 I'm like... You'll be coming and saying, Pastor, what do I do? And I'll be like, which seed are you deficient in? That's all we're going to do. We're just going right back to the checklist. You want to hear the checklist? So the first is the seed of covering. The seed of covering. That means that there is something in the leadership of the local church that is, has been given as a gift to you to strengthen you, not for you to elevate us. It's for us to elevate you in this hour. That is the seed of covering. It's, it's real, truly, true biblical authority that when you honor that biblical authority, then all of a sudden out of, comes of you 
is a strength and a gifting that is activated that works. And we said it this way, we are better together. There's been so much division. So many people uh, seem to be falling away from the local church in this hour. But I see a time where the church is being strengthened and gathering back together. And there's a hunger to gather and a hunger to be connected. Because we understand this probably uh, innately that we need each other. So we talked about the seed of covering. We talked about the seed of ministry, that in the hour of shaking, that, that the best way to live isn't by saying, oh, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. The seed of ministry starts to look for the faint-hearted, starts to look for the other person who's in need of ministry, and you start doing ministry. And the, and the best antidote for needing ministry is to actually do ministry. Come on. Now, come on. That's good stuff. You say, I don't know how I can minister. Why don't you just be kind? Smile through that mask. They'll see the little lines on the sides of your eyes. Even if you're wearing your mask, they'll see the little lines on the side of your eyes. And they'll know you're smiling. So what do we do? We, we begin to, to embrace. This is, this is to be nourished by. The only way you'll be nourished by the seeds of ministry is if you do it. You have to do it. And then we talked about the seed of grace. That everybody in this hour is thinking kind of judiciously, giving people what they deserve. Like this is, man, I am, I am fighting for my rights and I am fighting for this, you know, and all of the political conversation that goes around fighting for our God-given rights and all of that. And we're like, man, I, I need what I do. What, 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 I want to I give people what they're earning. I just want to render evil for what evil. And I want to just tell you this. What we need to do right in this hour is to consume the seed of grace and not give people what they deserve, but give them what they need. Aren't you grateful that Jesus didn't give us what we deserved? And we need to give the seed of grace to people. Grace is giving someone something they could never earn. It's loving those who are evil to you, spitefully using you. It's the seed of grace. The fourth seed is the seed of joy. It says always be rejoicing. This word rejoice means to be glad for grace. If you'll wake up every day and be glad, you choose to be glad for God's undeserved favor in your life, it will change your whole perspective. It, will, it says always be rejoicing. Always be rejoicing. Not sometimes, not when, not when your bank account's doing okay, not when the job is just going the way that it should. Nope. This is an end time checklist, which is happening in the midst of a terrible circumstance. This is the, the, the admonition from the Lord. Always be rejoicing. The word rejoicing means to again be glad for grace. So you get up again, and I'm again, I'm glad for God's favor of my life. I'm glad for it. And live joyously. And then the next one was the seed of prayer. Many of us know it by heart. Pray without ceasing. Church, we, we said it last week, and we need to be reminded of it, that the highest form of pride in a believer's life is prayerlessness because it says, I can do it without you, God. And prayer legitimately is, it, it unlocks the difference between the best that I can do and the best God can do. 
So we can't just say any longer that I, I uh, you know what, oh, I'm just not good at that prayer stuff. All oh, my knees hurt or this and that. No, we need to live in the invitation that God has given to us in perpetual communion with God. That is prayer without ceasing. And so we need to ramp up prayer. So that's why we, we have a prayer and worship meeting every day the office is open. So Sundays we're praying, Mondays we're praying, Tuesday we're praying, Wednesday we're praying, Thursday we're praying. By the way, there are other prayer groups that are actually happening as well. So I want to tell you, we're going to give you plenty of opportunity to come under the covering of the church and say, well, if this is what we're supposed to do in the last hour, we're supposed to pray without ceasing. We need to be praying more in this time than we ever have before, which is what, why we saw this whole thing collapsing down. We said, God, we're taking what we're doing private, privately public. And so the seed of prayer, and the last one is the seed of gratitude, is to live in this continual thanksgiving. And what we oftentimes do, the reason that we're not thankful is because we're looking forward to actually laying hold of something we don't possess yet. Gratitude takes a look at what God has already delivered to you and begins to give thanks for what is right in front of you. If you're always looking for something that you don't yet possess, your heart will be sick. But if you'll begin to look at what God has already delivered to you and live in a seed of gratitude, live and consume the seed of gratitude where I'm constantly looking at what God has already blessed me with, then my heart won't be sick. And by the way, mental health is, the I believe, the number one issue that has come out of this pandemic time. And these last three, the seed of joy, which is rejoicing, the seed of prayer, and the seed of gratitude, I believe those three are the keys to mental health in this hour. Those three, all of them go into it, but specifically they will help us. Now, I want to give you the last three today. And these, this is literally verse by verse by verse by verse. We're just walking down this checklist together. The seventh seed is this. It's this, we will be strengthened by the seed of guidance. The seed of guidance. Now, this is 1 Thessalonians 5.19. And it says this. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit and do not scoff at prophecies. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. Now remember, this is an end time checklist, not just a theology checklist. This has an atmosphere in which we are not to, we're, we're not to stifle the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that it would be really good to know the voice of the Holy Spirit in a time of shaking. There is nothing like it. And so when we, when we when, you know what, in a time of peace, you know, people can say what they want to. Oh, I'm not really into all that Holy Spirit stuff. That makes me nervous. You know, people want to live that way until the time of shaking comes. And then they don't know the only God, listen, the only one that's on the earth right now. The Father's in heaven. The right hand is, the, at, the, at his right hand is Jesus. Guess who's left on earth? The Holy Spirit. And we need to know him. And we need to know his, his voice. 
I say it often here just because it, it really offends uh, religious people, but the Trinity is not the Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. Amen. That's not the Trinity. The Trinity is the Holy Spirit. He's a person who Jesus introduces us to after the Holy Spirit has introduced us to Jesus. Jesus says, hey, there's one that I need to baptize you in. I need you, you, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And what we need to do in the last hour is this. We need to determine as the church to be led by the Spirit, not by what we see. We cannot be led by what we see. We must be led by the Spirit. Notice Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. I've actually done a whole series based upon that, that verse. And, and that it, it, to summarize it, it is this. One of the, the true marks of New Testament biblical Christianity is the undeniable relationship between a believer in Jesus Christ and following the voice of the Holy Spirit. They are intermingled. They are intertwined. That is why there is so much resistance and, and so much spiritual warfare and so much, uh, let, let me put it to you in a uh, kind of a 1980s way, so much static. See, when I was a kid, I used to have to go out and uh, my dad would be in the living room and he'd open a window, and he'd send me outside, and there was a big antenna. And, and when the TV wasn't coming in just right, he'd be like, he'd just turn it! And I'd be turning the antenna, and he'd, keep turning! And then I'd hear, stop! Because you turn the antenna just right, and all of a sudden, the TV becomes clear, okay, right? Some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about in here. The young people are like, what are you talking about? We just pushed the power button and it comes. Yeah, uh-uh. We had free TV, sort of, you know, sort of. You know, and if that antenna went down, then you got a couple of wire coat hangers and aluminum foil. Uh, so, uh, you know, see, y'all don't know what living is. Some y'all don't know what living is yet. And so, um, and, and, and I really do feel like for, for a lot of people, they're... Um, their antenna's been a little off because you've been tuned into the wrong channel. You've been, you've been stifling the Holy Spirit because I've been, I've been tuning in a worldly spirit, a fleshly spirit. I've been tuning that spirit. Well, would you get out of that and just say, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carefully tune the antenna of my heart until your voice becomes clear. Because the key to making it in this hour is I am not stifling your voice. Now, he, this, is what he, he, this is how it sounds. He, he's, you're walking through life and all of a sudden you hear this, stop. Stop. And you're like, why? And you don't get an answer. You just got stopped. And it could be that you have to wait. And then he says, go. And you're like, okay, all right, go. And then he says something like, okay, now reach. Now, uh, secretly bless your waitress with a $100 tip. Oh, I know, that pained some of you because you were thinking about what you were going to eat after this, right? Uh, secretly give, right? 
because we're following. It's, 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 it's then you hear the, 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 he says, now preach. And then there are other times when he says, don't say a word. See, you need to follow the voice of the Holy Spirit because he will say, stop, go, reach, preach, pray, give, save. He'll even say this, take shelter. Did you know the Holy Spirit will tell you to take shelter? Let me give you another one for you, the hyper-spiritual saints in here. Go to the doctor. Did you know the Holy Spirit will say, go to the doctor? Hello? Some of you, are, you, you got to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And don't stifle him. And I want to, I uh, this, is, this is part of this. It says, don't scoff at prophecies. Anybody ever gotten a word from God about your life that looks totally opposite? I mean to tell you, it looks totally opposite. I remember one time I was in the back room of a youth room, and this, this guy comes in. I'm working at the time. I knew that there was a call of God on my life. I had no idea what it would look like. Um, I knew that God was calling me to preach. I knew that God was calling me to do something, but I had no idea. And I was just serving in the back room, and there was this guy from South Africa. He, he comes, and he, he said, hey, if somebody wants a, a word from, from God, why don't, you, why don't you come up, and, and I'll pray over you, and we'll see what the Lord says. And I was standing in the back of this room. I mean, just there's just, I don't know, probably 40 of us or 50 of us in this little room. And he comes by and he lays his hands on me. And this is what he says to me. I had no clue. He says, your disciples will go to the nations. I'm like, disciples? I don't have disciples. I have employees. I have people who work for me. I don't have disciples. I don't have that. And he says, your disciples will definitely go to the nations. This is what he says. You may go, but your disciples will definitely go. I'm like, okay. Nothing in my life looked like that prophecy. Nothing. I was working 50 to 60 hours a week in retail management, running a store, had felt a call of God, but I didn't know what was going on. Nothing looked like that. But a couple of years later, God started stirring and opening doors. And then all of a sudden, soon after that meeting, my living room on a Friday night was filled with young people crying out to God. People were pulling their cars off of a busy road, parking on the opposite side. They'd just come from the bar. They'd walk in my front door and thinking that uh, uh, some kind of big house party was going on. They'd walk in the door and get born again. And then they get born again. And then they They'd reach out immediately to, to, to their roommates, and their roommates would come and get born again. And they would see former drug dealers that they knew from back when they were doing drugs, and they were in the room and, lead, and, and living for God now. And all of this stuff started happening. But I had a word that came when nothing looked like it was going to come to pass. Nothing, nothing in the natural. But he says, don't scoff at prophecy. 
Don't scoff at the word of the Lord on your life. Don't scoff at the promise of God in your life that you start looking at the, the, the shaking and the coronavirus and, and economies and elections and all the rest and you think to yourself, well, I'm just throwing up my hands on the promise of God on my life. Do not scoff at prophecies because here's what it looks like down low. You're, you're like on the plane of life and down low, it looks terrible. There's lightning, there's thunder, there's clouds, there's everything. I mean, it's just a it's just a sound of distraction, but just, just on the other side of the cloud, the sun is shining. And I want to tell you, I don't know the season that you're in, but don't scoff at the promise of God that's on your life. You grab hold of it. You grab hold of it. You see, in, in, in Timothy 1.18, this, this is what Paul said to his spiritual son. This charge I commit to you, Timothy, is that according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you would wage a good warfare. Wait a minute. I thought that if God gave me a word, it, there would be no warfare involved. If God gave me a word, it's just going to be smooth sailing. I'm just going to walk right into it. And yet, Timothy has prophecies on his life. By the way, Timothy pastored probably, quite pro possibly, the largest early church. Timothy is pastoring a mega, mega church. And he is going through all kinds of stuff. But do you know what he needed when, when things got tough? He needed God's word, the prophetic word on his life, the promise of God on his life. He needed it. And he said, by the prophecy, wage a good warfare. And, and can I just tell you, if you've ever been in a prophetic environment where God gives you a word, if you serve here at Calvary and you've gone to our launch service and, and we have laid hands on you, we've given you words from God because the prophetic always shows up. It's astounding how accurate God gets when, when people want to serve the kingdom. It's incredible. But I want to say this to you. You are going to have to fight for God's call on your life. It is not just coming by osmosis. The, the statement, well, if God wants to do that, he can. Guess what? That will never come to pass. That will never come to pass. He said, by the prophecies, wage a good warfare. He says, this is how you know how to pray. This is how you know how to push. This is how you know how to, how to go after these things. Someone gave you a word. Contend for that word. Fight for that word. Follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We know, if you want to know what the atmosphere uh, of the early church was like, look what Jesus said about what the last day church is going to look like. And it's what the early church looked like. In Luke 21, Jesus lays out all kinds of, of apocalyptic language when it refers to the last days. But this is what he said. You've got a word on your life? He says, now when you see all these things happen, rumors of wars, you know, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places, he says, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. He said, listen, you've got a word that I'm coming. You've got a word that I'm coming. And he said, before I come, look up. Look up. What would cause someone to look up 
when everything around them is saying, get down. Here's what. They held on to the Holy Spirit and to God's word over their life. We need the seed of guidance from the Holy Spirit. The second one, um, uh, the eighth seed, actually, the second today is this. It's the seed of wisdom. Now, we spent a few weeks on this topic, but it is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And please, if you need more in-depth on wisdom, go back and listen to the Ancient Path of Wisdom series that we did just a couple of weeks ago. Notice what this says, 1 Thessalonians 5.21. We go from spirit-guided, okay, spirit guidance, embracing things of the spirit, to actually engaging and evaluating. This is, this is wisdom. It says, but test everything that is said Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Notice these words. It's test. It's hold on. It's stay away. This is saying, hey, believers, don't check your brains at the door, but use your intellect for God's glory. Line things up. Do they line up with the word of God? Do they line up? Does, are there things that are trying to come into the church right now that would seduce her and carry her away from Christ, you better believe it. They are, they're happening. But it is to say, when wisdom is present, the seed of wisdom, you can test things to see whether or not they're going to remain. You can hold on to what is good, and there will be a grace because of wisdom to stay away from every kind of evil. Now, what is wisdom? Well, let's, let's separate it from knowledge. Knowledge is information. Wisdom is the revelation of how to apply it. And let me just give you some of the, the things that we uh, talked about regarding wisdom just a few weeks ago. Wisdom is the right way to think, the right way to believe, and the right way to live. This comes right from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is the seed of wisdom. And there is a right way to think, a right way to believe, and the right way to live. And the good news about wisdom is that it is available to all. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men. What? Liberally. Liberally. I know some of us feel like we, we, we got the short end of the stick with, when it comes to IQ, okay? I listen, I feel, I, I'm right there with you, okay? I feel like, man, some people are so smart they're so gifted intellectually. I'm like, man, you grasp things, you know, like I could, I'm, I was talking to a scientist who was here last first Wednesday and just talking to her and the brilliance of she's teaching physics, you know, and, and she loves calculus. And I'm like, oh, man, that's awesome. I love physics. I love that. But when you start talking about physics with friction and then I got I to gotta draw a Greek symbol because of calculus, a sigma symbol, I'm like, yeah, I'm lost. I, yeah, I'll go back to the Bible. You know, I'm going back to the Word. But here's, here's, what, here's what you need to understand. If you lack any wisdom, God will be liberal with you. If you just ask him, he'll be, he'll be liberal with you. You don't have to be in a dark, in a dark time. You don't have to be in the dark. He gives it, and by the way, he does it in a certain attitude. 
We just walk right over these words without reproach. You know what that means? That he's not going to scold you. It means he's not going to say, hey, by the way, dummy, you should have known this already. It's not what he does. He gives liberally without reproach. And it will be given. Now, the door you've got to enter into if you're going to eat the seed and consume the seed of wisdom, it's very simple. It's called the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And the fear of the Lord is the door through which all true wisdom manifests. And the fear of the Lord, it means to be in awe of His holiness, to give Him complete reverence and to honor Him as the God of all glory, majesty, purity, and power. This is the fear of the Lord. And if we are going to be able to test things and hold on to what is good and do it in real wisdom, it will be because we hold God in awe. We say God is over everything. And when I ask Him for wisdom, He shows me how to walk. It's the seed of wisdom. And the last thing I want to give you today from this series that comes, we're just going straight down the list of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It is this. This is powerful. It is the seed of vision. The seed of vision. These final words in this practical list, this end time checklist, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 says, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Notice verse 24, God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. Now, we talked about the seed of ministry The seed of ministry is about others. The seed of vision is about you. The seed of vision is about you. And it is about seeing God's completed work. It's it's about a picture that is revealed from the Holy Spirit to your spirit, which gives you personally an overarching sense of direction. That is what vision is. Vision is a picture revealed from the Holy Spirit to your spirit, which gives you an overarching sense of direction. Notice the words that he says here. He says, make you holy in any way, every way. Make you holy in every way. Is anyone here holy in every way? I'm just, any hands? I guess that's still coming for all of us. You know what that means? That means it's vision. It's still coming. How about this? How about this? Uh, Is your whole spirit, soul, and body blameless? Okay, you may say, yes, theologically, pastor. Yes, that work is complete. Yeah, but have you looked at some of our bodies? There's plenty of blame to go around. Hello, we're not, we're, we're not all the way there. 
We're not, we haven't arrived. So what is this giving us? It's giving us a vision in the future to pursue that gives us an overarching sense of direction of God is taking us somewhere. He's moving us somewhere. He's not just saving us and saying, I'll see you in eternity and walking away. No, he's taking us into holiness. He's taking us into blamelessness in our hearts, our spirits, our bodies, given fully Let me ask you this question. What would your life look like under the complete control of the Holy Spirit? Is it different than how you lived yesterday? If it is, which it probably is, then what God is giving you and wants you to take in is a seed of vision. The vision that calls you forward and the grace that will compel you to go there. We're all going to fail. We're all going to trip. We're all going to, you know, as a a little kid running after a goal, we'll trip, we'll scrape our knees, but get up. Because if you'll be carried by the seed of vision, there'll be a sense of direction that, that not only am I going after others, but God has a vision for me personally in the way that I would live. And you have to understand this. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says this. Where there, where there is no vision, the people perish, but happy is he keeps the law. Um, what that means is, is that that's the King James Version uh, way of saying it. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Uh, in the New King James, it says it this way. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. And so when you combine those two, if we don't have a personal revelation, a personal revelation from the Holy Spirit, a vision of where God is taking us, we'll go wherever we want to. The restraints are like the reins where the Holy Spirit, where God just directs us and leads us. But the rain is vision. It's God giving us a vision of who he is making us. We prayed about how that looks this last Thursday, which is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Beholding him as in a mirror. The image of Jesus. Literally, we're beholding him. And we're being transformed into that image from glory to glory. It says when we behold him, it, that is how you pursue God's vision for your life. Now... Vision will keep you pursuing God's purposes when circumstances tell you to quit. And this is what you need to understand. Please listen to me. There probably will be times as we sum up 2020 where you want to quit. The seed of vision will remind you by God to you. It will say this. Don't quit. I'm working in you. I'm working for you. I'm I'm, I'm bringing you into something more. When God gives you a glimpse of where he's taking you, it will carry you. And when discouragement comes, go back to your calling and purpose in this life that God has revealed. You may be saying, well, I can't think about where God's calling me. I'm just, I'm so messed up. The economy is so uncertain. You know, it's all I can think about. Pastor Chris Hodges says something very powerful. He says, we as God's people don't just need something to live on. We need something to live for. We don't need just something to live on. We need something to live for. And that comes from vision 
about where God is taking us. How can you live uh, not being controlled by discouragement when it comes? Here's why. Verse 24, God will make this happen. Isn't that good? God will make this happen because he who calls you is faithful. Now, when you consume these seeds, you're going to be nourished and strengthened. I don't suspect that all of us are going to have all of these things working well at all times. But God is saying, I want you to be nourished by them. I want you to be aware of them. I want you to take them in. I want to give you a vision for your life. And listen, God does have a vision for your life. He has a vision. He has a vision for what the body of Christ is to look like in the last days when things are shaking, when there are plagues, when there are earthquakes, when hurricanes are crisscrossing in the Gulf. How are we supposed to look? We're supposed to look like God's vision of us, and He'll take us there by His grace as we consume the nine seeds.